What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. Welcome to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host, and I'm excited to talk about one of the 12 principles of highly successful leaders today. Happens to be principle number 10, apply the power of knowledge. And this specifically in five key factors in running a successful business and thriving personally. And imagine the confidence that comes from having a clear pathway on things that you can do to run a successful business. I mean, just think about the mortality rate of new businesses, startups. 50% are no longer in existence within five years. One out of two will fail. And that's 75% within 10 years. So the question is, how can we be one of those, the 25% that are still thriving after 10 years? And it's not easy in the world's economy, but I'm going to talk about five things today that you can do in running a successful business. Now, I'd like to give real credit to my business partner, Dave Clark. We've worked closely together for 40 years. He is one of the best business people I've ever met. He's considerate. He's thoughtful of others and has developed outstanding business acumen and standards of how to run a successful business. These five basic factors we have used over and over and over again to keep us on track, and the results are consistent about standing high performance. This is the end game. This is what we all want to achieve, right? We want to prosper. We want to be successful. So what are those five factors that contribute to that type of an outcome. And you may tweak these depending on your industry, but they are as dependable as night and day. And they apply to large firms, multi-billion dollar firms, small firms, 500,000, whatever it might be. They apply just the same. Let's just get right into them. Here are the five. First, I'll give you a quick overview, and then let's just talk briefly about each one. The first one is having a strong economic engine. The second is high quality. Third is safety. Fourth is customer service, high customer service. And the last one is control your cost. So let's go back and hit the first one. Let's hit the business side first, and then we'll just make a reference to the personal side because it applies on both ends of the spectrum. What we're really talking about when we think of economic engine is that you have a product or service that can produce a reliable income stream for you. And it's understanding from beginning to end how to deliver that widget and that you can do it successfully. So for example, if you're running an organization, you know it takes 10 contacts to produce one sale and the average is $10,000 and that you know how to consistently do this. You know what contributes to every part of that 
now you can start scaling that idea. That would be a proven economic business economic engine. In other words, we push the button here and the results come out here. And it's predictable. And once you have a successful model, you expand the model. So I'd like to invite each one of you that's listening today, if you're running a business or a division manager or a department manager, what is your economic engine? The mindset here is to maintain real growth from year to year. So I invite each one of you, when we think of economic engine, not just now, not just this week, this month, this year, but also think out into the expanded future. And how does our economic engine look in two years from now, five years from now? And we want to build with this mindset in the back of our mind. We call it maintaining real growth, having an economic engine that we tweak, we build, we produce additional engines in different channels that gives us this type of result that we hope to have, an ongoing successful organization. Let me give an example of this. One of my early companies was a publishing company. Our products were educational products that were sold to the home, and we recruited college students who would sell during the summer, and that this was a proven model. We knew that the average rep could do X in volume, sales volume. Let's say it's $50,000 per rep. That's a good number. From that, we knew that we could produce the product. If we had so many reps, here's how the production looked, and that we would have Z left over. Here was the operating income. So we understood from beginning to end every aspect of the delivery of that product. As a result, what we were able to do over a six-year period of time is we scaled from having 30 reps to the next year to 60 reps to 120 reps to 175 to 300 and ultimately to 500 reps. And this is how we built the economic engine. And this is what we saw. Now, with time, we also wanted to think in terms of diversification. So when you think of your economic engine, how do you diversify so that you strengthen your capacity to maintain real growth over time? And this is diversification related to markets or products. And we're trying to spread the risk if a particular market channel becomes attacked through disruption or competition or government regulation or whatever it might be, that we have other legs to stand on. And we can diversify by industry, product, services, location. One of the standards that we set up for ourselves is that no division would be greater than 35% of our revenues. This is part of our diversity program so that we could have an economic, combined economic engine that was healthy and strong. And as you think of the spirit of maintaining real growth and innovation and bringing on new products, whether it's taking what you're good at and applying it to another area or adding a new product or service to an existing core set of business, what you want to do is really allow 12 to 18 months to develop a new product line where possible or service before phasing out the old lines that you had or the existing markets. And this creates much more of a predictable process that is less disruptive to your business. So that's what I'll say. That's number one, economic engine. You want to build strong economic engines. And if you look at your organization or your business, you say, wow, I'm not sure I can really say if I push this button, I'm going to get this result. Well, the advice is to really work to understand every facet of your business, 
even if they're small business channels and say, do I have anything that gives me a dependable result? Well, that would be an economic engine. From there, how do we expand that and how do we build multiple channels that protects our business over time? And just keep pushing till you find that dependability that you're looking for in an economic engine so that you're not disrupted. Okay, well, good enough. And as you think about this aspect, let's just switch to the other end of the spectrum, which is personally. Remember, you are the product and service as far as it comes to an economic engine. Your ability, yourself, your energy, your attitude, the skill base that you have all gives you the capacity to make a difference. What makes you unique? Whether you're in sales or leadership and management, you could be in IT, a technician, administrative side of the team. So what you want to ask yourself is, how can I be the very best at what I do? If I'm an HVAC technician, how do I become one of the very best HVAC technicians in the United States or in the world? That's the idea. That's the mindset, but now build the skill set. So you're always learning, reading. Let's say that you're in sales. This is one of the things that you can do. You can say, okay, one of my goals for this year, my vision is to be one of the best sales reps in my organization. So the goal, whatever year you're in, but your annual goal would be, I am going to read 12 books on sales. I'm going to take to lunch the top salespeople. See, this is a way then to build this economic engine, your capacity to make a difference. So I'll listen to podcasts, retread my skills. I was talking with a friend the other day, and we also discussed this on a recent podcast, that if you have an IT student that's in technology, that's a freshman in college, by the time he becomes a senior, many of the things that he or she learned as a freshman are already outdated. (laughs) So things are changing very quickly, and we need to stay ahead of the curve and be determined that that is exactly what you will do. Okay, that's number one factor is having a reliable, strong, predictable economic engine that we're always cultivating. Second is have high quality. Do it right the first time. And whether it's a product or service, provide a high quality product or service that you stand behind. Peter Drucker is such an inspiration. He became one of the very chief consultants to Japan during Reconstruction. And there was a time that I remember when, if it said built in Japan, people would laugh because of the poor quality. Well, that is no longer the case. Peter Drucker helped inspire the entire reconstructed industry of services and markets to build in the product or service that you had, processes of high quality right from the get-go, and that the high quality is built right into the whole system. So that's the result of it. And the result is Japan completely transformed the end result that they got in terms of their economic apparatus. It became a high quality apparatus. That was the norm. And if you think about Japanese products today, whether it's technology, automotive, etc., financial, these are all very well thought of with high quality. This is what we want to do, build in high quality services right from the beginning. On the personal side, imagine what you would like to have your employees do in terms of delivering high quality? What's the mindset and the skill set? What do they do, both think and do? I think I can illustrate this with the determination of being a finisher and developing a high quality result of doing the job 100%. 
leaving things better than when you found them. I'm going to use an example of our fifth son, Daniel, who is really an extraordinary individual. After graduating from college, he worked for Becoming Your Best for about five years, and it was close to have he and his wife and children live fairly close. And so they helped on a number of projects. I remember one time that Dan went up on a roof with a ladder. When he was done, I came out at the end of the day and the ladder was left out. So I thanked him later for helping with the job, but I asked him why he wasn't a 100% finisher. (laughs) In other words, why didn't he finish the job and put the ladder away? And he has become outstanding at high quality and being a 100% finisher. We really laugh about that right now. He's getting his international MBA at Thunderbird in Phoenix, Arizona. And what a resource he is. He's amazing. But in all of your work, this is what we ask ourselves. How can you be a 100% finisher and leave things better than when you found them? And this takes S.A. S.A. is situational awareness and asking the question in the first place, have I left anything out? How do I wrap this job up so I'm leaving it better than when I found it? So that there is personal pride in the work that you deliver and that someone doesn't have to follow you around to be sure you're delivering the right kind of results. Seek feedback and have a becoming your best type attitude. So how can I always improve? Okay, that's the second one. We, as highly successful leaders, the five factors we focus on to run a successful business, number one is have our economic engine in place, a vital, healthy one. Number two, we deliver high quality. Number three is safety. Safety is a huge factor in successfully running a business enterprise. And the most successful organizations have a safety plan in place. And remember, Unless you have safe behaviors, safety is luck. And so what you really want to look at is safe results come from safe behaviors. And how can we be sure that we are teaching and reinforcing safe behaviors so that we can have a more dependable outcome? So a few examples are safe driving habits, a safe speed, the three-second rule of so much distance between you and the car in front of you changing lanes, always looking over your shoulder when you change a lane, not holding and talking on a cell phone or texting while you're driving, how catastrophic that can be. Or if you're at a stoplight or stop sign, even though your light turns green before you enter the intersection, you look both ways to see if somebody is coming. How many of you have actually had an experience where you've done that and looked and saw somebody coming at high speed and ran the red light right in front of you? And if you would have entered that intersection, there could have been a terrible accident and crash. That's just an example of safe behaviors. There are so many wonderful courses, by the way, on the internet of safety plans that you can put up. One of the things that we do in our organization is we work on daily stretching. The statistics show that if you'll stretch every day, and there can be a regimen of like eight different types of stretches that you do that you can reduce injuries by 60% by just daily stretching. These are things that you can do. It's a mindset. Our mindset is that safety is not a program. It is a way of life. And our vision for our organizations is that our employees can come to work wherever they might be, whether it's in sales and out with the public, they're technicians, 
visiting people's homes, doing work or administrative, that they can come to work and go home at the end of the day safe to be with their loved ones. And this is an important vision. It impacts so much of a successful operation. Number four is customer service. Many of you are quite familiar with something called the Net Promoter Score. Net Promoter Score is a way to be able to assess or measure the level of customer satisfaction that you have. One of our companies, we have an entire office that one of the primary things they do is they help us with customer data, customer feedback. They call 25% of all of our customers. We work on measuring our level of customer service, and we want to know it before anybody else does. As a matter of fact, we measure it not only as a company, but by every single individual technician that we have. How did the customer see their interaction with them? In this way, we can provide feedback. We can reinforce and recognize those that are stellar. And if there are some that have problems, then we can take action on that and go to work on it and try to fix the problem. And then how about customer service, your customer service policy, at least in our business, in energy efficiency in one of our companies, we call on thousands of homes every month. If there's an issue, a customer service issue, we have an ironclad policy. We just fix it and we fix it as fast as we can. We have wonderful partners that we work with in this industry, utility partners who are fabulous, amazing organizations. Also, municipal power companies at local communities, same thing. These are people that delight to work with. And the program managers, for example, if there's an issue, their reputation depends upon us. And so we have decided that it's not about the cost. We're going to make it right. As a matter of fact, it's our opportunity. And rarely do customers take advantage of this policy. To the contrary, they're grateful and relieved for a company that has their best interest at heart. Our company vision is this. We treat people right, whether it's customers, employees, and this is a great gold standard, if you will. There's a lot of research on this, and companies that prioritize their customer service show that they consistently have higher profits than those companies that don't. Well, we see this all the time. I had an experience. This is just an example of this. A client of ours his name is Michael, we'll say, some years ago had contracted with a training and consulting firm out of Europe. They had agreed to a number of in-house trainings, coaching with their key employees, and this was a longer-term contract. And Michael was going to have a critical meeting one night having to do with strategic issues, and this consultant happened to be in town, and so Michael asked if he'd mind going to dinner with him and this other party with whom they're going to work on a significant strategic issue. It's very interesting because afterwards, when the meeting was over, the consultant said, well, Michael, how shall we arrange for payment for me coming to this dinner to provide you these services? <laughs> well, Michael, in his mind said, we're thinking about customer service and at becoming your best anyhow, our vision is to over deliver with outstanding customer service. How do we over-deliver? Well, in Michael's mind that night, without knowing us or any, anything else, he said to himself, we are done. Are you kidding me? After all we've done, you're going to sit here and try to dime me the death? I just wanted your advice and counsel here as a friend. <laughs> That's a fair request. Nothing wrong with that. So at any rate, when we came along, he was excited to have a fresh alternative 
that he thought was a better fit in this case. Over-deliver with outstanding customer service. This is the spirit of it. So let's just review the first four. First one is to have a strong, economic, and dependable, diverse economic engine. There's a lot of disruption out there, and so being very aware of having an ongoing program of maintaining real growth. Number two is build high quality into our processes. Number three, safety. Safety is every part of what we do in our business and in our personal lives. Number four, high level of customer satisfaction, a high net promoter score. And last of all is to control your cost. Now, there's a lot of ways, quite a few dimensions on this particular item, but it's a big deal. And one of those is that in terms of financial aspects, you should have accurate and timely financials by the 10th or 15th of each month following the previous month so that you can benchmark where your costs are going and especially the large cost. You're always thinking about our fuel, our energy, our rent. What are ways that we can be more responsible and operate in our business. So for example, if you are a long-term tenant, you can look at your rent versus buy option. And as a result, we've ended up buying all of our offices that we're in, really, because long-term, and now we have an asset at the end of a couple of decades. It's pretty amazing. It adds up. And this, by the way, can have a huge impact from many different dimensions. And because it's your own building, then you can say, okay, this is a long-term investment. And how about solar versus ongoing electric cost? And can I do better with solar? And so we have installed solar on most of our buildings. These are ideas of you're always thinking about how can we run our business more efficiently? Sales service, you look at the big costs we just talked about and then benchmark them. How can we do better? Also really working to have a solid cash position. About 10 days ago, I was at a global leadership conference in South Africa in Cape Town. One of the speakers, Harry Clark, did a great job. Fun to be together with him. And he talked about mistakes that millionaires make. And he had built a company, had the opportunity to sell it. With time, things went south. Then he said, I just couldn't even give my company away. So he developed a list of 19 things that are risk for our business and eight personal things that are risk for us financially. And if any of you would like those, just write to support at becomingyourbest.com. We'll be happy to send those along to you. And I might add that we're thrilled to announce that we have recently launched, based upon a lot of our customers and clients asking, the Becoming Your Best online university. This is an awesome university that has a host of free programs and resources available for you. There are also some resources that you can invest in that go much deeper to help individuals within your company, family members, be able to take advantage of these resources, which really put you on the cutting edge of making a difference. If you would like to have information about that, simply go to our website, Becoming Your Best. Dot com and you'll get there and see that. It's a great resource, very exciting. Well, let's get back to finishing up on controlling your cost. One of the things that we want to look at is our accounts receivables, account payables, and inventory. Being sure that we're collecting the money as fast as we can. We have a good accounts payables policy, not stocking up too much inventory of the wrong thing. So 
manage in this aspect well. Another is that when we think of controlling our costs, that we manage our workman's comps issues efficiently and quickly. So if somebody has an issue, let's say on the job, it could be a first aid issue, but that very day, the very same day, we connect them with the medical resources and help them get back on their feet. But these responsible type of management ideas also really drive down your workman's cost and workman's cost expenses over a long period of time. And your mod rates of all these have a big impact. Something else that helps us control our cost is to really abide by the three bid rule, getting three bids for things that we need to do. And don't forget that a great resource is buying used equipment. Especially in today's world, it's so easy to find used equipment that's much more accessible that can work just as fine depending on your needs and your wants. But we can keep working on these. Well, these are the type of things that we can do to run successful businesses. Number one, have a strong economic engine we continue to work on all of the time. We always monitor it just like any other engine, daily, weekly, monthly quarterly, thinking throughout the future. Number two, we build high quality into all of our processes and products from the get-go. Number three, we have a safety program. Safety is a way of life. It's not a program, okay? But we do have a program. (laughs) It's a plan out there, and here are the things we do, and here's how we teach it. Every single week in our meetings, we talk about safety, and we stretch. Number four, a high customer service. And we prioritize this within our organizations. And last of all, we work on ways to control our cost. And over a long period of time, these are the things that help you run a successful business. And as you apply them in your own personal life, think about these. I am the economic engine. So what do I do to keep myself current and make a difference? How do I deliver? Be a 100% finisher. (laughs) and deliver high quality. It's what I do, right? It's the mindset. And these are great questions to discuss with your employees and imagine the impact when you discuss them. Are you a 100% finisher? Do you leave things better than when you found them? How do you renew your skills? How do you become the best at what you do? Safety, customer service, and last of all, controlling the cost. We do each of these. How do we control and manage our finances well? How do we get out of debt? How do we pay off our credit card debt and quit using the credit cards unless it's we pay them off every 30 days? So these are wonderful, powerful principles. As you do them, you make a difference. That's the way it comes down. And this is what leadership is all about. It's the leader that really sets the tone for everything else in your families, in your relationships. And these are sound, powerful processes. Today, we've talked about one principle out of the 12 principles of highly successful leaders. It is apply the power of knowledge. And these five simple steps are ones that you can use to apply to make a big difference as a leader and a manager. We wish each one of you the best as you are making the difference. What an honor and a privilege it is to have you listening to this podcast, to be associated with you. We are so grateful for you, and I wish you a good day. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 
888-888-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.